Recorded straight out of Fife, Scotland, you're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts Stuart Sullen and Magic Mike Christie. Hey. Welcome to episode 189, 1994 of our 90s season. Mm-hmm. Almost halfway there. Yep, yep. Uh, we will be doing a double review today covering Beverly Hills Cop 3 and Leon, the professional. Okay, our first film, Beverly Hills Cop 3, from director John Landis. Film stars Eddie Murphy. Let's say that again. Eddie Murphy as Axel Foley. Judge Reinhold as Billy Rosewood. Hector Elonzo as John Flint. Timothy Carthart as Ellis DeWald. John Saxon shows up as uh, Oren Sanderson. Teresa Randall is Janice Perkins. Alan Young is Uncle Dave. And Bronson Peacock is Serge. Fucking Uncle Dave. Yes. I guess Walt Disney was taken. <laughs> John Hammond was also taken. <laughs> uh, plot Axel Foley whilst investigating a car theft ring comes across something much bigger than that. The same men who shot his boss are running a counterfeit money ring out of a theme park in Los Angeles. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I love Beverly Self Cup 3. Yes. I too love this film, and I, I think I've got the feeling that we're the only ones. Yeah, like, a lot of people fucking hate it, but I think because it was... I mean, all three of them are comedies. Yes. I think this one is... More heavily based on comedy rather than the first one too. Aye, aye. It's definitely like the biggest like commercial comedy. Yeah. Where it clearly, it's not maybe. Well, aye. I guess it is. It's like a cash grab. Aye. In in, an actual sense, but to, we were like let's see, nineteen ninety four. So we would have been about like seven or eight. Exactly, or maybe eight or nine by the time we got a hold of it, because yeah. it would have been like. Home release, yeah. if anything, or on Sky. So, that point, it was fine just to see like Eddie Murphy get into hijinks. And these films have a lot of swearing. Aye. So many motherfuckers. Fuck you. Yeah. And, like, we probably just like loved that as a kid. Like, oh, there's so many bad words in this. Yeah. And it, it's clean in a sense. Like, there's no sex scenes. The violence isn't it's, even... That's toned in. Yes. Ah, you see people getting shot. And right, there's blood, but there's there's nothing gory. It's, it is pretty much safe to show to your kids if you don't mind the swearing. Yeah. And I think to us the fact that there's nostalgia on that. Yeah. That's how we could like it today. Yeah. I think if you watched them, like if you've never seen the Beverly yeah. Hills Cop trilogy and you start doing one weekend, watch one, watch two. Then watch three. You're probably thinking, what the fuck happened to that third one? Yeah. I imagine the quality kind of lessons as the films yeah. went on. I think I've not watched any of them in quite a long time. And I, I think I still prefer the second one overall out of them. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember a fucking thing about the first or the second one. And I think as a kid, just since the third one was set in a theme park, yeah, that just made the rewatch value. Aye, it appealed more to us. Aye. And there were just so many funny bits about it, and you just kind of yeah. watch that more than the others, because I imagine the other ones would probably be a bit more serious or a bit more yeah, I, darker. Yeah. Uh, I do remember, it was it Jonathan Banks is one of the villains in the first one? Yeah. Uh, Aye. I mind, uh, I, I was just skipping through Sky, and I noticed it was on and realised, that's a young dude. <laughs> that's the young guy for, well, that's yeah. the fucking guy for Breaking Bad. Hmm. Um. I mean, you talk about like a cash grab and all that. Eh? Obviously, Eddie Murphy like does not need any more money in the nineties because he had already came right through the eighties. Like, basically, mm-hmm. came out the eighties fucking shining. Yes, and I mean, or would you say? Well, that can't go past. Um, would you say he came out looking like a golden child? Yeah, after coming out as like an African prince. <laughs> um, but um, once he yeah. finally came to America. Oh no! <laughs> um, but I mean, like. He, like, I reckon, right, when um, John Landis pitched the fucking idea to him, they were like, right, it's going to be set in a theme park, right, you're going to get this money, but the best thing you're going to do in this film 
I'd dress up like Okie Dokie. <laughs> and do the Okie Shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> the, honestly, like, it fucking breaks me every time when he pushes the wee kid. Aye. And the wee fat kid does the wee chuckle. Oh, and he's got no teeth. He's just got, like, <laughs> vampire thongs. Then the rest are all missing. And the fact that is do the Okie Shuffle. And he just does the wee thing. He's like, that's not right, is this? And the kid does it. And he's like, hey, I'm Okie. I'll do it. I'll make it the way I want it to be. I said, no, you're supposed to be nice to everyone. <laughs> and he fucking, like, punches him in the gut. He's like, oh, you little motherfucker, you. Oh. <laughs> and he just gets on and just fucking knocks the kid in the, in the fucking, in the fountain. <laughs> and his wee brother's just going, <laughs> like, grabbing his side. He looks like a make-a-wish kid. There's something no right with him. He's only like a bottle of juice. He's <laughs> And his gran, his gran, it looks like fucking Eddie Murphy and Nutty Professor. She's going to fucking take her teeth out and start punching some cunts. She's sat on the other side of the park trying to put film in her camera. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's moments like that where it's fucking gold. Like, yeah, the rest of it could be shit, but oh, there's so many laugh out loud moments. But I. The, the mixture between him getting punched in the gut <laughs> and the fucking wee, the wee boy with the teeth laughing, like a proper gut laugh. Oh. Uh, um. <clears throat> <laughs> Much like that when you're done there. Uh, um, would you say that, um, well, obviously they had to change the cast a bit for the third one. Yes. Because they never brought back I Taggart. Taggart, that's it. Aye, and I think maybe the the whole change of like, location could be like a thing yeah. to do with that. Because they, they mentioned Taggart at one point and they're saying, well, he's took retirement now, he spends his time looking for golf balls and forests and stuff. Yeah. And they replace him with that guy, uh, John Flint, like Hector Alonso. Yeah. And he kind of becomes like the third wheel between him and Judge Reinhold. Reinhold's now got it's weird because he's, he's now in Los Angeles and he's got like a giant board with all these little lights and these coloured line boundaries and stuff, something in the green sector oh I could pull in SWAT I could get this I could get fought for the Parks and Rec department like, oh what's the name of his, what's his job tell us oh like? it has the longest abbreviation like aye. SGCPOP and he's like what and he's like uh, Billy Rose with my name's there like when they're going to a convention he gives like, the abbreviation his full title and the woman's just like what uh, I, reckon, I reckon there was probably a few retakes filming uh, some of that track. Uh, like you that could flub that up. Yeah. And it's great because there's a, one of the money vans like they find down at uh, parked in the, outside the beach because they find, well, the whole bit at the start, uh, for, for those that haven't seen it, it's so fucking weird because right enough, there's a, there's a deal going down. I think it's for like the plates to print money. Uh, so there's all these guys that work in a chop shop and then you've got Axel Foley and the police outside. They've cancelled the SWAT. They didn't need them. That's just us. There's just a, a deal going down at a chop shop. What's the worst that could happen? But we're there dealing with uh, Ellis DeWald, which is like a name that's been ingrained in my head forever. Yeah. And I just wondered where it came from. And then when this came on, I was like, Ellis DeWald! Because Obi uh, likes to say that fucking name. Because yeah. he seems to like, be tight with the police as well. But when they kill all the fucking men that work in this chop shop, for some reason there's like a Diana, a Diana Ross song playing on the radio. Ah, and they're all doing like karaoke almost. Ah, they're all fucking dancing. It's like, okay, definitely comedy. Next thing you know, they're all getting fucking cut in half with machine guns. It's like, Christ, the fucking tone shifted quick. <laughs> but when they find that scene, uh, when they find the, the, the money truck down at the beach, that's where you get to see Billy Rosewood like pulling all his strings. Like, He's got his hat on that's got his job title abbreviation across it. He's got a headset on and he's like, I need this, I need that. And like, ETA this, that. And he's calling all the fucking... And there's a whole army around this fucking van and they open it and there's like, fuck all in it. And you can just tell like, all the all the fucking resources he's just pulled together has just been horribly wasted. Mm. I mean, it's it's a simple story. They're, they're printing money, counterfeit money and uh, under a closed down ride in a theme park. Yeah. And it's all uh, Axel Foley keeping in the trouble, showing up where he is and he's supposed to be. And the fucking goons in the theme park, like, they're all like fucking seventh 
foot bouncers like walking about a theme park but they seem to have no issue whatsoever about firing guns yeah. <laughs> like in a theme park you right they've got silencers on but jesus christ they're firing guns in a yeah. theme park i always remember when he when he decides to go to the theme park and he basically feels like he's getting like robbed the asking like the 35 dollars for a ticket aye aye and the bouncers give him like this line of well sir if that's too much for you you might enjoy the prices down at the Something like the fun farm down the road. <laughs> and they're just it's like, oh no, it's cool. You know, if you tailored your jacket, the back of the gun wouldn't bulge it as much. And he's always just doing like these wee slide digs to get at them. And he eventually buys his ticket to sneak in. And one of the sequences that still impressed me is the the spider crane ride yeah. sequence. I was gonna say it was a bit like an octopus where it, but they cut they create the spider rides. Yeah. And it is, it's just such a weird concept for a ride because it has got all like spider legs. Then on the end of each leg, they have like six carriages for yeah. people to be in. And then it's just going around. And it just looks like one of the most over the top rides. I like, no wonder. Like the fucking, it had troubles in the film because yeah. it just did not look like a safe ride at all. But. Yeah, because that's the one where he like jumps for like, to carriage go. to carriage. Exactly. And it is, he's still. Fucking kudos to the stuntman that done that because obviously it was no, no way it was Eddie Murphy, but uh, you still get that fucking jelly leg feeling. Oh, I did anyway watching that happen last night. Yeah. And just because they do these great shots where it just shows you this guy just run, jump from one carriage to the other. Or when he jumps, he fucking slips and falls down. <laughs> and it just cuts the shot, uh, like Eddie Murphy inside the carriage and there's two fuck on his arms. It's like, you okay? He's like, yeah, just don't let go. <laughs> it's like the whites of his eyes are huge. <laughs> And he fucking climbs back up. But I just wonder, like, as a parent now, why the, the Hispanic woman just let her two kids go on like this horribly dangerous ride yeah. on their own. She's just sitting down there trying to reek through her purse. But between him jumping from cart to cart, they do like these close-up shots where it just looks like it's Eddie Murphy on top and it's just like him by an arm going, looking around, and it cuts back to the stunt man doing the jumps. Is that the same scene where, like, He's jumping from bit to bit, and like, all the crowd is looking at him, and like one of the one of the mascots like covers, covers a child's kid. face. Yeah, yeah, Aye, because yeah. like there's hundreds of folk there, and they're froze. And every time he misses a jump, they go <gasps> like the collective gasp, and it is, it's just like a big fucking uh, raccoon or something just covers the face of a child yeah. with giant fluffy hands, just buries mm. its the child's face. But it's got a great shot where he jumps onto one of the cranes, and the ride's still going, so it turns upside down, and it's. He's on the ladder and his legs just start floating away from above him and he's going... He's doing like this wee silent, silent greet as he fears for his life. Yeah. But bits like that are really good. Um, one of the best things about like, Beverly Hills Cop films is the theme music, I think. Aye, aye. It's just... Aye, the, exactly. And it's when you hear it and they use it a lot in this, obviously, because you want people to know it's a Beverly Hills Cop film. So you do that, and then they've got like this weird, like like 90s electronic, like like a proper thing you could like do on the keyboards. Aye. Like where he's running, being chased by bad guys. So soundtracks like that, especially to this film, has stuck with me. So I've got like a big nostalgia factor out of that as well. Yeah. Uh, one guy that I always forgot about in the film, but as soon as you see him, it's like, oh, I can't. Like, you could see why some folk would hate this film, and it's uh, Serge. Yeah. This, uh, I don't know if he's Italian or... Yeah, because um, he, was, he was in the first film, I think. First or the second, because they, they, they mentioned yeah. their history previously. Yeah. And he's now working in, like, a, a, a personal security boutique. Yeah. Where it was, like, what was it, the three Ps? It was, um, look, pretty, prestige... And oh, fucking someone else. Yeah. It was like one of the things I was determined to remember for this episode, and I've forgotten. But he's got like we home security things, everything for like key rings that have a blinding light to this giant like they would describe it in Doom as like a BFG, like a big fucking gun. Yeah, but it's like got loads of different functions. Uh, it. It's described as like a home entertainment center where it's got a CD player. A microwave oven, um, a fucking mobile phone. Also, it fires a fucking uh, a net, grenades. It's also an assault rifle, and and it's the fucking advert he made for it, like where it's just women with these 
big fake tits uh, in like American flag bikinis <laughs> firing these guns and oh wait Texas Chainsaw's showing up wow that was quick we're going to get any more alright It's <laughs> coming, coming through the front door. I know. <laughs> so I, I could see some folk like his accent. I mean, let's see, he would Axel's like Aquel and, yeah, and Billy and oh, just oh, he's very calm. Yes, I and it's just his whole like dead camp persona, but it's just the fact that he's. He's designed this giant fucking gun. Yeah. That's like he was I don't understand you could take it camping and he was like fucking Axe was like, Nifty's buying this crap, surely? He was like, It's on back order. They're all gone. Jackie Stallone bought sixteen for stocking fillers. And then Salai came along and bought fourteen himself. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like they're just all these weird name drops. And so I think that's one of these things where it's like I could enjoy that scene, but it's just because I remember all the shit for when I was a kid. Yeah. And I could just hear that cunt going, Billy! And the fucking, oh, hell! <laughs> oh, chainsaw man. Uh. Uh, aye, so Ellis DeWall is a character you could easily love to hate. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why, but he's got like a like a knockoff Gene Wilder look to him. Mm. And there's. Well, see, he's one villain. There is another guy who's like a... He's clearly like a mole in the police force who's obviously in cahoots with Ellis DeWald. And he just looks like a knockoff uh, Christopher Walken. He's uh. this type in a suit that's like the boss's boss. Uh. And he comes to meet Foley at the end. And he's like, he's like I, I'm sorry, I didn't know what's going on. And, and Foley's like, yeah, but I know everyone... Like, I caught them on it. And, but I do think it stops there and he pulls out his gun as a well foley you just had to look didn't you and so it's like one of those fucking throwaway types but fucking Ellis DeWall is like a total cunt you'd love to hate yeah he's so smarmy and you could like when there's a confrontation scene where uh, Axel Foley gets captured by security and he gets taken to the head of security who is John Saxon and they pull out the security tapes to show him running about the tunnels where the security guards are taking shots at him. They've doctored the footage. Aye. It shows him walking down the alley. And then it's like somebody's rubbed out like a magnet or the videotape and all blurs out. And it cuts to him just firing rounds at no one and then just running up the stairs. And he's like, well, no, 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 someone's messed with the tape. And then fucking Ellis DeWalt walks in and he's like, fucking this guy, this guy that shot my boss. And he runs over and he's fucking trying to punch the shit out of him. And the guy's like, what do you mean, shoot your boss? I was, and they mentioned like last week or something. And he's like, last week I was at my beach house in Laguna. And he's like, all right, that's cool, guys. I didn't know you was at your beach house in Laguna. One sec, let go, let go. And, and they all calm down. They just jumps, I fucking runs at him to try and fucking tear his face off once more. They hear like a confrontation on a stage at like an award ceremony as well. Aye, aye. That's just after the bit where they meet Serge because it was yeah. obviously like a, a conference with all these stuff and then he's getting an award for like Man of the Year at some sort of security convention and Foley walks on going, Hey, that's the award! Yeah! And just claps himself up on stage shaking his hand. He's like, I know you're a crooked bastard. And he's like, yeah. And he's like... Last week, this time, I was holding your dead boss in my hands. And he just fucking lunches and starts fucking <laughs> laying into him, knocking shit out of him. His boss was quite good. I can't, I've not got a note of his name, but... Oh, uh, Foley's... Aye, Foley's I, old captain. He's a bit of a hard ass, eh? Yeah, because when he's lying in fucking Foley's arms, dying, he says something like, Foley, are you on a tea break? Go get that son of a bitch. <laughs> Rather than like tell my wife I loved her, <laughs> it's like you on a coffee Aye, break. They, um, they bring that up at the funeral eh? where he speaks to the, the wife. captain's wife. Aye. Aye, he tries and comforts. Oh, he spent his last moments obviously talking about you and the kids. He's like, nah, that's not my man. What do you really say? I tell me to go get him. Aye, that sounds like him. <laughs> but aye, the whole thing because it, it's one of these things where. Like, 90% of the time, everyone thinks Axel Foley is fucking crazy. 
who we could think Ellis DeWald and the Fox for Wonder Worlds are print money. You're daft. And he's always just trying to convince Billy, trying to convince John, even like meeting my Uncle Dave. And to the point where where there's there, I feel like there's a feel of carelessness about it where it's like, fuck it, we'll just shoot Uncle Dave and just blame it on Axel Foley. He's like, yeah. Jesus Christ Like You'd think this man would be sacred. <laughs> they just fucking shoot him in the gut. There's um, as there's a fucking horrible theme song for Wonder World there. Yes, I I had a thought wondering if like someone was made a ten hour loop of it on YouTube, but <laughs> I want to have a look now actually. I can't remember what it was. I've only just remembered that it's called like Wonder World there, and it always reminds me of kind of soft play areas around here. Yeah, kind of just expecting a walking one and Uncle Dave being there. <laughs> And it is, it's just like a, like a sickly sweet, a... Oh, I can't remember how it fucking goes again. It's just, Wonder World, and there's fucking a 14 minute version, that's long enough. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> Feel all flooding back to you. Uh, that's it. Yeah. I'll just leave that playing for the rest of the episode. I assume it's so like sickly. Uh, like it's base. It's made for kids, basically. I I think there's like IMDb trivia on it. Where they got, they reached out to the, like the Sherman Brothers, who are like the the guys who've written like lots of famous songs for Disney, like Mary Poppins. And sorry, so uh, <laughs> they they reached out to them and they wanted them to write something similar, but I think they wanted it to be like more or less like a rip off of what the fuck's it called? Is it? It's a small world. I think there's a song in Disney that they write about. It says, "Aye, so it's, uh, there was an IMDb trivia bit about that, so they want it to be modelled like that, sound like this." Mm. Yes, but that plays constantly throughout it, especially and, at the end, like in yes. the last act. And there's even a point where like John Flint kind of references that character. Where he's gotten it into a standoff, shot two guards. There's one of them that was going past on that, like a ride above him, and he manages to pick up a machine gun and shoot him out of it. And, it's and like, then he's like, "Turn off that fucking someone song!" Someone turn off the fucking song because it's just like just. <laughs> so I will just turn that off now. Uh, but aye, so even they themselves know it's a fucking over the top, uh, sickly sweet song. And one of the random moments that makes no fucking sense is when Axel Foley is getting chased by security guards at one point. They go past like a wee tiny town and there's a train going past and it's something like that. A song's playing. They're just all little people singing on the train. You don't see it. It's just a model train going past. On da, 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 da. Axel Foley runs, jumps over the train. Then security cars come running and then one jumps it, the other one stands on it and it goes da, da, da. Ah. Just, you hear tiny people scream I'm like Aye. what <laughs> this train's got feelings there's people on the train I mind that bit. Like, what? it makes no fucking sense whatsoever but it's like one of these qualities that's just like they didn't need to do that they could have just stamped on it and thought but the fact that they just had little people screaming <laughs> when yeah. the train got stamped I reckon does this I wonder if it kind of falls back and like, is this classified so bad it's good but I mean there, it wasn't a, like a cheap production like yeah. it, it's a properly commercial film so it's not like something like The Room or something like where it's there's no budget there's no actors but there's a quality to it this is I guess just a bad film but for yeah. us people in nostalgia mm. comes across quite good I am um, also you talked about the, the gun that Serge gives them and then aye that eventually comes into play during yes. the last act of the film. Ah, it's brilliant because he tries to scare the fuck out of these two guards. He guns like, he, he gets there unarmed. Like they, they summon him to come across there because like, I mind if I think it. I've only watched this last night and I forgot in the end. Like 
what's wrong back to back? I think it's because like the female love interest, uh, Teresa Randall's character, Janice Perkins, who's like one of the like the assistants in the theme park, they hold her hostage. So he'll go there with like the money sample and he goes there but make sure he's unarmed so before it, he chucks the gun over the uh, wall finally gets to use the fucking gun it is satisfying but it's got like that mixture to it where at first the gun looks fucking useless where it's playing random CDs or playing random songs and then firing the this fucking net and yeah. it's just like it just like a wet fire it just lands on the ground in front of them all shriveled up and the guard realises it's a fucking joke so they start closing in on him with their guns and that's when he finally realises whatever whatever the fucking trigger is. Uh, manages to kill one with like a burst shot and then fires like a missile at the other. And when doing that, it blows up this concession stands behind him and there's fucking Terry's everywhere. And then you get like, this, this random shot where it's just Eddie Murphy but then a flaming Terry comes flying at his feet and you put like a sound effect on it just like this. <laughs> but it was, it was good to see him to get to use that but there's not really much else to this movie other than like the, like your climax at the end where they, they're in like a this dinosaur ride that uh, just looks like the as if the theme park's capitalised on uh, Jurassic Park mm. and they're going through this ride and Axel Foley's having to take out the last couple of guards because he didn't care there actually there's one moment prior where they're in like a subway ride aye, and it's like a robot like a yeah, it's, a, it's like alien attack aye that's it Aye, and it's like a whole subway uh, falling apart where Alex Foley leads them in and then tricks them all with all the all the, the, rig, the rigged gimmicks of the ride. Like, he kills one of the security guards and hides behind them and three security guards and come running in. Like, <laughs> they went up those stairs! <laughs> like, I, I made that bit. Aye, like, like generic black guy, like worried black guy <laughs> voice. is like, really? You went up those stairs! <laughs> <laughs> and they all come run up and they get wiped out by a tidal wave. Yeah. And they all start shooting the fucking, like, the, these weird uh, metallic stormtroopers. Uh. But I think they're just caught in the crossfire between them and Axel Foley. Mm. So, I the things I just love about it is, like, the mixture of, like, the theme park and how that fucking boatload of swearing and the violence isn't that bad. Like, it, you almost feel serious at the end yeah. when he has that shootout with uh, Ellis DeWald's it gets to the point where they all he manages to to beat him and he just sat there bleeding and then John Flint comes in and of course he got shot fucking Reinhold I um, Billy Billy shows up like I'd like the fucking sheriff takes it one guard that comes out and he's sitting whicking his spinning the gun around in his hand like yeah I'm the fucking sheriff of this town and then here's another boy shooting at me does a four roll fucking wipes him out with a bullet he gets back up puts the gun away blows the barrel and the guy that has been shot like just sits up fucking hits somewhere like a round of bullets with a machine gun and he goes flying hits like the shutters and goes down and you're like Christ but by the end of it it's got Foley uh, John Flint and then fucking Billy comes through shirt's covered in blood like he looks like he's about to die and he's just walking through like favouring one side and they're all having a wee giggle at each other and it's like theme park opens in three hours and like fucking bodies everywhere and you know he giggle and Foley sitting poking the boy's gun wound he's like does that hurt he's like don't no and fucking Billy just collapses what, what looks like for blood loss because his shirt is soaked in blood and they're going he needs medical attention they're like fucking Beavis and Butthead sitting giggling to each other it's like your pal's bleeding out on the floor and then he, like someone say to him but aye, then it just cuts to like that big that ending where they're all being celebrated, aye. and they they introduce the new character to the theme park, yeah. Axel Fox, and it's just him wearing the fucking jacket, and it's just a big fox head, and you've got all of them. They're all like yeah, like wheelchairs, wheelchairs <laughs> with stuckies on and casts, and then I reckon they just bring Janice at the end just to take fully to the tunnel of love, and say like, I don't think you have a tunnel of love here. It's like, oh, we'll be by the time we're finished. Uh, so they've just got images of him being fucking fiercely blown <laughs> backstage. That's a, delete, that's a deleted scene. I know. You've just got all the Wonderworld animals <laughs> surrounding him <laughs> watching a fucking crippled cop get blown. <laughs> <laughs> We've all heard about like, those scandals at Disney where they were having sex in the suits. 
<laughs> it's oh, a fuck. big animal orgy. <laughs> God. Beverly Hills Cop 3. Uh, some trivia for this film? Aye. Now, I did, this isn't a trivia point, but I did read that before coming out, and I don't think Eddie Murphy was really bothered about making a third film. He, he said, there's a, there's a quote on uh, Wikipedia about the, under the production section, and he says, if Beverly Hills Cop 3 is made, and it's like, it's because the studios want it. Like, the, the director doesn't want it, I don't want it. It's obviously them wanting to make money off of, like, these characters. Mm. Like, there's no, they don't, they don't need to do anything else. Like, we've all seen enough of Axel Foley in places he shouldn't be quick talking and getting into trouble. And it's like, but if you ever do see Beverly Hills Cop 3, you could say to yourself, they must have paid him a lot of fucking money. Ugh. And supposedly that was true. They did pay him a lot of fucking money for this role. Uh. Um, they said they had to shut doing production on the film temporarily uh, to allow Paramount's top brass the chance to get the grips with the film's spiraling budgets. Uh, it was originally estimated at $55 million dollars and it was soon in an excess of $70 million. Uh, of that budget, $15 million was Eddie Murphy's paycheck. Uh, $15 million. Budget, that trivia note kind of alluded to what it was. So IMDb listed it as $50 million, yeah. but as we read there, it went up to 70 Yeah. Now, do you think it made its money back? I don't know. That's the thing. I Overall, maybe just, like, overall worldwide, just made its money back. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it completely skyrocketed, but... Uh, Domestically, it failed. It made 42.6. So Mm. it did not make its budget back. Uh, Worldwide, adding the foreign market, which was 76.5 million, giving it a total of 119 worldwide. So, overall... I'm only the profit of 40 million. So, aye. So I a bit of a hit and miss. Yeah. Now, you want some one-star reviews? I'm assuming there's quite a few. There wasn't too much, but I did narrow it down to like a Beverly Hills Cop 3 DVD. So, yeah. Because I imagine you just buy this in box sets now. Wouldn't it be just... There's not a person just buying a single DVD. They'll probably be buying the trilogy. So mm. there's only 49 reviews. Seven of them were one-star reviews. All right. Obviously, we do these Amazon one-star reviews as our Chica advert to use the Amazon link on our homepage, filmsandswearing.com. Go there, do your Amazon shopping with us. The link to the Amazon store is on the right-hand side of our page. Click there, do your Amazon shopping as normal, and that is a quick way, cost-free way, to support Films and Swearing. So, our first one-star review. This film should be behind bars for sure. By Critic Al. I paid one pence for this DVD if only they'd spent as much on the script and storyline. This is truly awful third attempt at the Beverly Hills Cop franchise. My advice, stick to the original Beverly Hills Cop as anything after that just went downhill. You paid a penny for it. A penny. What? I'd see the point if you spent like 15, like anything out of tenner. Aye. But a penny. A penny. Not even a pound, just a penny. And this stuff should be put behind bars for that. And our last one. Bury It Deep by MV. Huh. And MV wrote, I can't bring myself to write anything. I hate fucking people that do that. I, they, that they, write a review and then didn't actually give you any like reason behind it. I, like, it's not essential to write these. No. Like, only... You can't bring yourself to write it, so you didn't. You didn't need to. Yeah, it's not it's like it. Or like, by the way, this film will cost you nine ninety nine, but you have to write a review. Yeah. Within a certain amount of time, otherwise ah. you owe some money. Exactly. Then you could expect a whole fuck just yeah slapping the keyboard just like just, just so like that's done like the necessary thing they have to do in order to see the film. But no, no one's asking you for these reviews. Fucking numpties. Hmm. Uh, Mike, over to you. Yeah, uh, the the tone shifts. Yes, dramatically. Yeah, um, 
This week I had the distinct pleasure of reviewing Leon the Professional. I think that was his working title. I don't think it's actually known as... Yeah. Yeah, I I reckon if... I think how sometimes some regions get different titles for it. I think maybe in America... When I was looking at budget and box office, I typed in like Leon budget and box office and I got something totally different. And then on box office mojo, it was called The Professional. Okay. And then some places just cried at both. Yeah. Aye. Um, but anyway, um, Leon, uh, directed by Luc Besson, mm-hmm. stars Jean Reno as Leon, Gary Oman as Norman Stansfield. Natalie Portman as Matilda and Danny Aiello as Big Tony. Danny recognise Big Tony. I'd probably like when watching it. Well, does he have a familiar face? Aye, he um, he's the one that owns. He's the one that like gives John Reno like his work. Oh, okay, <clears throat> like right, he's right. his source of like contact. Aye, aye, all right. And, uh, and he owns an Italian, obviously. <laughs> And what's the plot to it, Mike? Uh, the plot of Leon is a young girl enlists the help of a trained assassin to help get back at the um, corrupt DE officer that murdered her family. There you go. Yeah. Now, was this a first time watch for you? Nah. Um, I'm trying to think. I think this was the first time I've watched it in a good few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I've maybe seen it Maybe between four or five times. Right, right. I um, I've seen it <clears throat> a few times before. I think I owned it on DVD. I remember it was like one of those HMV, say like five for thirty or something. Yeah. And I really didn't think I must have had like four. And, and you could have one. Leon was like a blind buy. I was like, fuck, I've 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 heard of this film, but I've never seen it. And I bought it, and I just mind it. Fucking properly blowing me away. Yeah. Like Gary Oldman, especially. Aye, Gary Oldman. And, and then for there, it's always been like something I would recommend to somebody if they've never seen yeah. it. It's definitely like one of those things like, oh, yeah, I have to watch it at least once. Aye. So, Mike. Yeah, I. Um, your short review. Was it good? Yeah, I really like this one. I've seen it a few times. I think I maybe. I think I've seen it first when I was maybe 15, 16. Okay. And I really liked it. And then I think each time I watch it, I think I kind of appreciate that a wee bit more. Oh, aye, aye. Now, how did you get hold of it back in the day? Was it just on Sky or...? Um, I think I picked it up in, like, on video, like, like a, a car boot sale or something. Aye, aye. And um, I didn't think I ever owned it on DVD. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, a really, really good film. Aye. It would be, like, one of these things now if, if like, Arrow done, like, a an anniversary release I would probably go out my way to buy it yeah because like, well, um, I've got the Blu-ray there and it's um, Optimum the shoe that released it oh aye and they released it's got the theatrical version and the director's cut the, director, the director's cut is like 20 minutes longer alright but I, I I think I'm not really sure what's different with what's yes aye but um but yeah, this film's like a fucking ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not, not fun. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, it's a serious film. It's, ah, it's pretty serious. Like. Aye. But an, an entertaining watch. Yeah, aye. I guess prior to watching this, how familiar were you with, like, with Jean Reno? Um, well, I had also seen, like, Godzilla before like, I'd seen this. Yeah. So obviously we remember John Reno and Godzilla. Exactly. Like his love for coffee and all that. Yes. Um, he was in Mission Impossible as well. Oh, aye, aye. And I think I seen nah, I think I seen Ronin after this. But aye, I've not seen a lot of films where I'm recently. I don't, I don't think he does a lot of like big films nowadays. Aye, does he jump out? But you said the main ones there, Godzilla. Uh, I forgot he was in Mission Impossible, but yeah. uh, Ronan was one that I, I never really noticed until I was going through like, my Robert De Niro binge and then yeah. realised he was amongst the cast. Yeah. Um, and then like one of the random things, I noticed he had a part in like the Onimusha PlayStation games oh, on the PlayStation oh. 2. I think the third instalment, like 
took you to like Paris or something. Yeah. So it was normally like a Japanese character, but then it was a double team of Japanese and this French dude. Yeah. And John Reno was like the dude doing all the motion capture and the voice acting for yeah. that. But um, same way, like I've not really, I've, I'm, I don't really know much of uh, the Luke Besson. Aye. Like from all, the only ones I'm really familiar with is obviously this one, Mission Impossible, Fifth Element. Mm-hmm. Fifth Element, like we knew that pretty much growing of up. Of course. And he done the first Taken film with the director or did he produce it? I think he's he's got quite. I was gonna say the big producing dick. Uh, it's, it's like, like the, that, that's reached far. Is it like the? Is it like presented by Luke Besson or something? But right, I'm going to pull up his directing credits. His top four, uh, they've all got him down as writer as the main credits. But uh, Fifth Element, yeah, Leon, Nikita, and Joan of Arc. Now. Um, how do you think a young Natalie Portman did? Um, well, this was her film debut. Ah, I'd, I'd imagine because on the trivia notes it says she was like eleven when she ah, first can't she started out in this. Really fucking so, young. In it. Um, I thought she done pretty good. Mm-hmm. There was there's a I was reading like a lot of trivia regarding it, and there's a couple of plot points in it where like I mean she's like like the way that she's been brought up, like she's living in basically. Like a shitty upbringing, like a, a family are just shit. Aye. Especially her dad, anyway. But mm-hmm. um, like you first see her, um, like maybe 15 minutes in, and she's like on like a stairwell, like smoking a fag. Aye, aye, I mind that. Uh, and then obviously after everything kind of goes wrong when she's with um, Jean Reno, it's like she's kind of like confused and, and like she just eventually says that she loves him and she wants to sleep with him, and it's like. It's, it's, it's really uncomfortable. It's, it's uncomfortable to kind of watch. Aye. I was, and the, uh, when I was reading trivia notes, there was scenes that they did have in, but then they cut out because during test screening, the lot of folk, especially oh, Natalie Portman's mum and dad, come across were quite really, negative. Yeah, were really uncomfortable with it. Aye. And ultimately, they like cut it out. Yeah. But um, I, I thought she'd done like, a really good job. Eh? Mm-hmm. But it's kind of hard to. Like picture somebody else, like ah, exactly. You can imagine like Dakota or like Ellie Fanning. Yeah, like it's strange. It takes like a certain child actress to kind of really do yeah. those roles, but it kind of doesn't taint them. Nah, but like I always kind of think of Natalie Portman as a type of actress that kind of does some occasionally like really fucked up projects. Yeah, a bit like Winona Ryder. Uh, she kind of yeah. Like, is a, I kind of can only describe it as a bit off the rails. Yeah, <laughs> like the one thing that always kind of gets me, like thinking is like, see when you see um, like child actors in films and they have, and they're in films where they're either smoking or they're swearing and all Aye. that. I'm wondering, like, obviously they would have to get the consent for the mum and dad to like sort of do the shit, and I'd be like, can what? Can if you give them money, let them do what they want as long as it's not like them like. Getting naked or a exactly, aye. Eh? But yeah, fucking Natalie Portman's really good. Um, Gary Oldman, like, Gary Oldman, fucking steals the show in this film. Aye. Like I think I've got down in my notes is like I think this is like his best role that he's done. He's a fucking psychopath, isn't aye. he? Aye, it's just like he's he comes across as like when you first see him, he like pops his pill, and it's like the cam the camera does this weird, like. The way it films it, so it shows you him like crunching into the tablet and like whatever it's filled with. Aye. It's the noises that he makes, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's like he like strains his face, Aye. and he just looks like he's just ready to go off it. Aye. And yet, even though he's like also like drugged up and all that, he's quite calm, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Aye. Like he um, like he talks about how he loves like Mozart and Beethoven and he's got like when you first see him in the film he comes out and he comes out of the apartment and he's got like earphones in mm-hmm. and um has like number his right hand man's talking to Natalie Portman's dad and he's like look he's like I didn't want to go and disturb him because he hates being disturbed when he's listening to his music. Aye. But if you didn't make it any easier for me, I'm gonna have to go and fucking disturb him and that's something that me and you didn't want. Aye. And like when Eventually, when they decide to like, like kill the family, and that he's parading around the like the house with a shotgun, listening to his music, and it's like he's orchestrating a symphony when he's yes. like, moving his hands and then shooting like a shotgun and stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's just the way he fucking plays the role. 
obviously he's a, a, a dirty postman, eh? Aye, aye. It's so good, isn't it? He's, I mind looking back in the performance and you think maybe back in 1994, Gary Oldman would have been a perfect take as like the Joker. Yeah. Like, obviously... I had had and they didn't get I if they didn't get um, Jack Nicholson in the late 80s for it exactly if they wanted to do another Batman film like just the way he was acting there it looked like so many characteristics of yeah. a, a complete fucking psychopath but obviously like he's he is, he's sort of like a kettle as you said well, uh, you never said that but that's how I kind of think of him as the way he's calm but he could fucking blow up and nobody wants uh, him to blow up because it's no good for anyone yeah but and it's funny the fact that obviously Luke Besson obviously saw that in him and brought him back for uh, fifth, fifth Element, and he looked fucking completely different. Like, uh, had, like the space age, and he had like that weird comb over like the visor on his face. But he's always this great character that at his best, like when he's at his best, he's fucking properly blown yeah. up. He's going fucking ape shit. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously he was good as um, like Jim Gordon in the Dark Knight trilogy and yes. all that. Um, I'm trying to think of other Gary Oldman. And I mean, like, this year he got, like, his recognition in, Funny, like, the Darkest Hour. Aye, for playing Winston Churchill. Aye, and got that Best Actor Oscar. Yeah. Uh, one of his other roles that I, f- I find is always overlooked is the role he played in True Romance, where he plays another, okay. like, a local, like, drug dealer. His name's like Drexel or something, right. and he's he's got like fucking like dreadlocks, <laughs> and he's like he talks like he's almost like he's black but he's white, Aye. and he just he looks virtually unrecognizable because you've got like a glass eye and that and that. And, I mean he's known that film for long, but it's a really good role. Aye, aye. And I mean I've still never seen his performance as. Um, uh, Psycho Sid for the Sex Pistols who's done that Sid oh, and Nancy right. film for the 80s oh, I've never seen that and there's a, a very early football hooligan film called The Firm okay. that apparently it was like it was a BBC production I think Aye. and apparently people say that that's like his actual best ah. role and it's one that I'm still trying to find to fucking watch it aye aye but um, I mean his role in this film is fucking like, I think there's one there's only one scene in the film that kind of makes it makes me laugh and it's after he's fucking like shot up in Ali Portman's family mm-hmm. and he goes outside because he's like just just shooting the dad even though he's like dead and all that like, he's, he's number two he takes him outside and gives him a fag and uh, the doors open the door opens in the hall and it's this old woman and she comes again kind of slouch with her hair and like a fucking thing and, and, cool. she, and she looks and she's like What's all that noise? Like, why are you hassling that poor family? And, that? and he's like, he's number two. He's like, look, go back inside. And uh, it's like, we're doing, we're doing what we need to. And uh, it's like, go back inside. Mm-hmm. And she's like, looks and she's like, you need to stop hassling that poor family. And he just takes <laughs> his gun and fucking shoots the door next to her. And he's like, go the fuck back inside. And she just looks at the door and looks at him and he just turns. And what's in, and that was, that was the only bit of fun that kind of made me laugh. <laughs> just because he just takes a gun and just fucking shoots the door without uh, even, even looking at mm-hmm. Now, what about, uh, I guess, Leon's introduction? When does he. Because does it start with yeah, Natalie I, Portman? And no, that? I, um, it starts with Leon sitting down with Tony in the, right. in the restaurant, and he basically he's got word for like the mafia that the guys trying to move in on their turf and all that and he's mm-hmm. like look, he's here the day or he's here like Tuesday or something he's like he's like you're free Tuesday because I need this guy taking it and he then all of a sudden cuts to Tuesday and the guy's in like the big massive like penthouse mm-hmm. and he just kind of shows up and just starts phones upstairs he's like look I'm coming to get you but then he basically it's like he kind of plays like like a cat and game and he's like hiding like everywhere <clears throat> and he um, just starts taking all these guys like the, f- the first pair of guys gets fucking pulled out of guardrail with his tie and like falls like 50 feet and stuff <laughs> but um, it just shows you like the, like, the precision he takes and that like, Aye. like, it's all, like the one really he's got is like the like, knee women and the kids yeah and, uh, and then 
he lives a very what's the word like a simple lifestyle aye because he's he's got like a, a a relationship with a plant doesn't he aye he's got like a plant in the in the apartment and he kind of he comes across as like he's kind of mentally slow mm-hmm. because um, when he takes in Natalie Portman she writes a note to him and he's like look I want you to read it and he's like Carried, yeah. So then she kind of learns him out reading stuff. Like he only, like on his days off, he drinks milk by the fucking gallon. Aye. Waters his plant. Like does like sit ups on his mattress, and he goes to like empty cinemas to watch like fucking Gene Kelly and all that. <laughs> and like the scene where he's in the cinema watching like Singing in the Rain for like, the first time, he's like he's mesmerized by it. Right. Like, he's got like. He's got like weird eyes. Like he mm-hmm. kind of looks like he's like drugged up. Aye. Like, his eyes look like they're kind of like hanging, but they're like wide open. Yeah. And it just kind of looks like he's like mesmerized by this like performance on the screen. Huh. And that's when they go to play a game. He like like dressing up as like certain people, and like Natalie Portman dresses up as eh, Madonna, and he's like, I reckon who who is. Aye. And then. She then dresses up as like Gene Kelly, right? And he gets that right, and then he has to dress up as John Wayne. <laughs> and the uh, he comes to he's got the neck chief on and the fucking slack jeans and all. And he's like, "Hey, Pilgrim," <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he just, I mean, he, he, he I mean, he, he also he's like he's like the father role with the film for her, obviously Aye. after her family get killed and that. Mm-hmm. And obviously. He, he doesn't want to take her on because obviously it's a fucking big hassle for him. Eh? Aye. And it, like after like, the first night, he actually like loads his gun and like is ready to like kill her like in her sleep, even Just though, like, even, though that, even though that would be done against like his, his rules. Like, rules and stuff. Eh? Aye. But then <laughs> he goes they move to like um, another set of flats and they pretend to be like father and daughter. Yeah. And uh, and. He's got the guitar case, like, or the violin case, like, his guns. Oh, aye, because there's, I know, like, an image of them walking down the street, and he's got that in one hand and the plant pot in yeah. the other. And the old man, it's like, the what the checks them in. It's like, oh, what's that? And she's like, well, I've got this, like, recital coming up for this, like, big music competition. And I was like, I need to practice. And it's like, aye. And then, like, as it goes on, they overhear conversations like the the folk that run the hotel and Aye. and it's like they put two and two together and they think that he's like sh- like sleeping with her. Right. And then the chap on the door and like, yeah, we've got a bit of a problem here. Eh? And then <laughs> we think like, you're a big yeah, pedophile. Uh, yeah, and then chuck him out. Eh? But um, eyes, he's he's really good in this as well. Like the last, the last like half half or forty minutes of the film is fucking stellar by him. Ah, because well, I, I honestly can't remember how the film plays out. Is it just him going against Gary Oldman, or? Um, I well, basically, she she wants to learn, like his trade, like how to be like Become a trained assassin. assassin. Yeah, and like he can he's, he's reluctant in doing it, and then eventually does, and he like takes her up on rooftops, and he's got like like paint pellets and rifles and stuff, oh, and right. start actually like taking pot shots at like random people in parks <laughs> and trying to learn her and stuff, and then. He then starts. There's like a wee montage section where like um, he takes her on like all the jobs he's doing. Aye. And um, and then she decides that she wants to take a Gary woman and always pals herself. Right. And it's like her plan. Like she goes to like the uh, police station like where like Chinese food. <laughs> and then it's just him. He goes into the police station, and he walks past the like through the metal scanner, and he beeps. <laughs> like before the uh, before the policeman the security guard at the front could even do anything he just gets to slapped off the face by him <laughs> comes in upstairs and kills a couple of goons and then takes her and then that's where uh, Gary Oldman basically enlists like the entire fucking police force plus SWAT uh, this tiny wee apartment block ah uh, right ah uh, it's coming back now and it's like like the last 20 minutes it's just fucking like really good no Obviously, spoiler for warning. Spoiler warning for people that's no seen it. Does Leon get killed in the end? Aye. Yes, I was trying to think. So like after he obviously, 
takes out a lot of them. They bring in like a big massive, what looks like a machine gun, but it's just like a rocket launcher. Right, okay. And he then obviously like, like takes the clays of one of, his, one of the guys he's killed and pretends to be like one of the policemen. Aye. And when he's getting seen to be one of the other like, policemen for like another department, Gary Oman sees him. Aye. And then he takes him out of the building, a part of him obviously, and he doesn't he does kind of notices. Aye. And he's like walking towards the end of the tunnel and he just gets like, like shot in the back of the head. Right. But then he like turns and uh, like mumbles someone and gives him like the like the ring for a grenade. Aye. Opens up his jacket of like six grenades and he's like Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. But um, but I mean like the action sequences that are really good. Aye, I'd imagine obviously with being looked best on the lights are well shot. Yeah. Like some of the like the like the, the handguns that like uh, Leon uses like just soon fucking horrific. Right. When you get shot by them, eh? Some quality sound editing. Yeah, I a lot of good quality sound editing. Huh. Uh, was there any particular key scenes that we've no touched on yet that you or what your favourite scene was? Um, I th- I think I actually like enjoyed like the like the whole third act, like the last thirty five forty minutes. How long uh, was it? Uh, on four um, altogether. Well, I ended up when I pushed play. It was this morning. It was the the director's cut, so it was like two hours ten minutes. Okay. But the theatrical cuts like an hour, hour and fifty or something. Aye, that's not bad. And especially if if the la- the third act kind of yeah. is quick paced. Because I'm trying to think. I th- I think the wee montage scene that I was on about where he takes so I don't know the jobs. I think that might have been in the director's cut because I really can't remember if that was in the. Like the, the the theatrical version, it or not. Mm-hmm. But it's a film that like uh, continues to like recommend to folk. I like I had like the rewatchability on it's like pretty good as well. Aye, aye. Oh, that's it. I have to check to see if there's if it's streaming online now. I don't have things like that kind of sit in the background on Sky. And, yeah. Or on net, maybe not Netflix. I would have checked, but yeah. I would watch it again. I've known, like a thing, uh, from my time and like how I spent like ten years following like Hong Kong cinema. I knew Stephen Chow had spoofed this film at some point. He'd done a film in nineteen ninety five called Out of the Dark. Uh, the plot's not the same at all. It's uh, a man searches for a ghost in a high rise building in Hong Kong, but you can tell straight away with it. Like, there's the cover art. Uh, He's dressed as Leon, carrying the fucking plant. <laughs> so, I reckon why if it was just like copying what was popular at the time. Yeah. Because like even if it's like there's a shot of that lassie looks like she's been dolled up to look like Natalie Portman. Oh, for fuck's sake! So it's almost like there's been a, a Chinese knockoff the following year. Yeah. That looks the same. I've never never gotten around to seeing it, but. I'll have to have a look at the trailer at some point. Yeah. It was on Netflix for a while. Oh, was it? For some reason, they had um, like the rights to a couple random Stephen Chow films, uh, some like period comedies, and then like Out of the Dark. Yeah. It was like completely random because these haven't got like UK releases whatsoever. But there was like half a dozen of them on Netflix, and it wasn't like the obvious yeah. ones like Shell and Soccer or Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah. So. But I've always remember that image when you see Leon. It always makes me think of Stephen Chow as well. Uh, so I know, fucking I know, random. I never, I fucking never knew he done like a. I mean, it's maybe not like an outright parody. Yet, Aye, right? but he's just decided to steal his look. Yeah. What Trevor knows budget and box office here. Cool. Some interesting trivia actually. The four of you. Um, do you remember one of Gary Oman's? Like henchman, then it called Benny. He was like the bald, like like half caste, like Hispanic guy. Okay. He went on to become a fireman, uh, part of the Ladder Twenty One group. All right. And he died in the World Trade Center. Fuck. Jesus. Yeah. So I wonder. I I was looking. I think that was like his only film we done. Aye. So I could just kind of done with like one, got some money, and then went and did another job. Um, interesting. This I find this one quite interesting. It's like all the interior, uh, Leon's apartment. Mm-hmm. 
they filmed that in France. All right. And like just the interior, of the, like the interior of the flat, but see like the outside of the flat, like the corridors and the aye, station aye. That was filmed six weeks earlier in like New York, ah, in like right. a random like built like office block. Yeah. So I think I'd, would you, would you, would you be doing that to try to like give like has like flat like a French feel here? Ah, it'd be strange. I wouldn't I'd even just. Uh... Kind of whether it was something that they couldn't afford to do at the time and thought, ah, fuck it, we'll just shoot that when we get back at home because yeah. I guess as long as the continuity matches up, like uh, as long as a, like a layout, you it's not like as if there's a window with a Eiffel Tower a, in the background. It's a bit of an obscure way in doing it. Though, like, oh, like I want, I want to film this part of the flat and flat like in France and stuff. Yeah. Um, but there was a, there was another interesting trip I remember we doing, but I remember it, and it was the we're talking about Fifth Element. Yeah. Um. Luke Besson wanted to make the fifth element first. Right. And like had like pitched the idea and I like, had the script and stuff. But he couldn't get it there at the time because uh, Bruce Willis is like heavy work schedule. Okay. So then he decided to do Leon as like filler. Aye. And it's weird that you would when you think of the two films, Leon's the mayor, like superior film. Aye. I mean, I, I, I fucking love Fifth Element actor. It's really good. Yeah. But a lot of people didn't like it. Like, they found it just really weird. Mm-hmm. But. That yeah. might be a nostalgia thing, but it's. I mean, I've not, I've not seen it in fucking years. I haven't either, but I could imagine still just easily enjoying it. I think it. it was weird, the fact that Chris Tucker, you couldn't really make it if he was a guy or a girl. In this. Yeah, he was pansexual. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was strange to think that Leon was done as filler. Where it's become such an iconic film, yeah. and it's like, ah, we'll, we'll just we'll do that in the meantime. Like yeah. it wasn't even the primary goal; it was just something to do on the side, and it yeah. turns out to be such a big thing. Yeah. Budget and box office. Um, it was weird. The budget and box office on this was pretty weird because Wikipedia was telling me like the overall. Yeah. And then box office Mojo was telling me. A different overall. Okay. So I went with I went with Wikipedia, right? Because they had, but mayor. So the the uh, actual budget was a nice mean uh, sixteen million. Sixteen. Yeah. Wow. Like you can you can kind of tell that it it wasn't like lavish or anything. Aye. It was also it was in like I think it was funded like a rough part of like New York and stuff. Yeah. And sixty million, sixty million. I suppose I kind of wonder. How much went to Gary Oldman? Obviously, nowhere near as much as what Eddie Murphy got for. Aye, that's it. That's pretty much the whole fucking budget for the exactly. film. Exactly, you got one million to make a film. Box office Mojo had overall um, nineteen million. Right. Overall, which, if that was the case, it would be an absolute like it basically means it's bombed through the whole thing. But on Wikipedia, they were saying that. Overall, worldwide, it made 40, 45 right, okay. million overall. So, ah, I think it worked to at like, I think it worked to at nineteen mil domestic. Ah, I would have thought twenty seven million worldwide. Okay, sounds a bit odd. It sounds about right. Yeah, like I was saying, it's hard. It's hard for like try to find like stuff like that for films that have like two or three different like working titles and all that. Yeah, I guess next time. On, yeah. on the Films and Swearing Movie Podcast. Yeah, we're at the halfway point. Yes, we're taking a mid-season break, doing an off-season. Uh, we'll be discussing the... some. Well, I will be partly discussing the films at the Edinburgh Film Festival, and we'll be seeing what Mikey's been watching during the break. And then once that's done, we'll continue with our 90 season on it. With 1995. Yeah. Got the titles in there, then? Uh, yeah, we've got them in front of us. Let's yeah. have a wee look. Right. So, the choices were Heat, Toy Story, 12 Monkeys, and Dead Man Walking. Yeah. So, we've got them folded up in little pieces of paper. Uh, we will be starting back with another joint review. So, let's pick them now. Mike, you go first. Um, yes, this was a, a page taken out of my son's Avengers notebook. Oh, yeah. What you got? Yeah, uh, what Heat. Heat. Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, two films that are easily like you 
got easy access to oh, the toy store I've got fucking heat sitting across there so there you go so yes two very different films from 1995 uh, but next week it will be off season uh, patreon.com forward slash FAS podcast if you want to support us financially you will be given access to extended podcasts I thought you said if you want to spot us fire <laughs> <laughs> Spotify I don't think we're on Spotify um, I've submitted the application but I'd imagine everyone and their dog has submitted an application to Spotify yeah. so maybe in the year 2028 we'll be accepted to Spotify <laughs> uh, social media shout outs uh, at FAS podcast You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Shoutouts to Paul Loudon for the artwork, David Lopan for the theme music, Mags, Carol, Kenny and Stu for the support, Magic Mike for helping me out today, and yeah. you, the listener, for tuning in. Ladies and gentlemen, fuck off and tune in next week. <laughs>